Blog Talk Radio. Third Nation Radio presents We've Got Issues! A comprehensive look at this week's comic books. Got issues. This is volume two, number six. It's the comic book from February sixth. We're a little late again, but we've been late a lot. And uh, well, I'm done saying we're going to fix it because we'll, when when it's fixed, it's fixed, folks. Don't put pre- under pressure. That's right. Gene, hello. Yes. Hello there. I I I'm, I've read next week's comics just to screw things up even more instead of last week. <laughs> right. Anyway, so I'm really uh, we're going to. Yeah. Which which is not uh, not hard to do here. Um, let's start as we always do with DC Comics. Let's dive right into this uh, and let's do some bullet points here. We'll go really fast, rapid fire. I mean, not bullet points, whatever. Uh, here's a bunch of books that came out that we uh, don't have tons to say about. Let's start with Batman number sixty four. Joshua Williamson wrote it. Gillum March did the art. Fantastic art. Uh, starting Price of Justice. Uh, part one, the crossover with Flash. Uh, not a lot happened. I thought it was kind of boring and lame. I, it just didn't really appeal to me. I didn't get into it too much. I gave it a two. Yeah, it'd be really nice. Like they talk a lot about Barry being a police officer, but in, in, until he teams over the Batman, we never actually see that. I let that right. two hold. Yeah. Uh, Curse of the Brimstone, number eleven. Justin Jordan wrote it. Dennis Cohen did the art in it. Uh, that's great, but it's still just Curse of the Brimstone. Uh, I believe this book ends next issue. Thank you so much. It's a one. Yep. Uh, Dreaming in number six, written by Gene's arch nemesis, Simon Spurrier, with art by Bill Quist Evely. Uh, it looks like Judge Gallows has been taken down with a swift kick to the groin, which is funny in a, a Sandman book. Um, I like this book. I enjoy it a lot. Uh, I gave it a three. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Green Lantern number four came out. Grant Morrison wrote it. Liam Sharp did the art. The art is fun, fantastic. It's a good book. And it looks like Hal Jordan's going undercover in like sort of uh, the criminal seedy underworld of the galaxy. Um, that's fun. That's fine. I'm enjoying this one. I gave this one a three. I gave it a three and a half. I'm enjoying it quite a bit, too. I just don't have a lot to say about it, but it was a really fun issue. Yes, uh, with a pregnant sun eater, which was fun. Interesting. Uh, yes. Harley Quinn, number 58, written by Sam Humphreys with art by John Sims. Harley continues to team up with Batman in this issue. She fights Lord Deathman. The first one or two times Lord Deathman showed up was funny. Uh, it's kind of starting to wear off. I gave it a two. Harley Quinn wore off on me right after uh, Mad Love. Give it a one. Okay. Suicide Squad, The Black Files, number four. Jay Nitz wrote it. Mike W. Barr also wrote it. Uh, Scott Eaton and Felipe Briones did the art. Uh, the first story involves Cobra and Katana in the spotlight that Mike W. Barr wrote. Also Looker as well, which is cool. <laughs> but um, we're not Looker. What's her name? Halo. Halo. Um, yes. Yeah. 
Uh, it's a fun book. The second story has all the magic users and stuff, but this particular issue just didn't focus on that team so much. It focused on, like, the regular Suicide Squad going looking for that team who's missing. Um, I gave it a two. I'm enjoying it a little bit. Yeah, I gave it a two also. It's not a bad book. It's just not a great book. Right. The United States versus Murder, Inc., uh, number six, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Mike Avon Oming handled it. Um, I don't care. I, 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 I've liked an issue here or there of this book. I was hoping for better. I love Oming's art. Um, but beyond that, I gave it a two. Yeah, wanted to like it. Didn't work out. And then Young Justice, number two, came out. Brian Michael Bendis once again. Patrick Gleason and Emanuela Lupacino did the art. Uh, we get guest appearances by uh, Despero, which is neat, except Wonder Girl beats the crap out of him. And I don't want to get all, like, you know, super, like, pro-male, but, like, okay. So she beats the crap out of Despero. That kind of lowers his uh, standings, in my opinion. But whatever. It was fun. I'm glad to see him. And then we also get Gem World and everything going on with Amethyst and stuff. That was neat. Uh, I, I gave it a three. I'm liking the book. Yeah, I'm digging it. I have some questions, but I'm going to wait and see if they get revealed as the book goes on. Yeah. And now let's go back and let's start over at the top and let's talk at length about some of these books. Adventures of the Super Sons continues trucking on. Uh, Peter Tomasi wrote it. Carlo Barbary drew it. Uh, there is a big jailbreak in there. It was pretty fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, Damien and John are hanging out. Uh, well, they... Damien breaks John out of prison, basically uh, dealing with a whole bunch of new supervillains, young supervillains. It was fun. I liked it. Gene, go ahead. Yeah, um, one thing we find out is that in this time in the DC Universe, Tacron Galtos is a juvenile detention planet as opposed right. to the hardened prison planet it becomes later on. And that's kind of neat. I, for some reason, I dig like prison planets. I don't know why. Like whenever they come up in, in fiction, I always think it's a neat idea. You know, because he can't escape, and it's the whole darn planet, you know. But uh, yeah, that's just what they do in this issue. Yes, sir. I got to take that little bumper of you saying, I love prison planets, because prisonplanet.com, infowars.com. It's a war on for your mind. <laughs> I love ahead. prison sex, most of all. <laughs> but there's none of that. There's none of that here in this issue. <laughs> I love Super Sons. Uh, I, I don't think that's any news to any of you. Uh, I gave it a four. Cool. I'll let that four stand. I didn't give it much lower than that. Um, let's move on to Deathstroke, number 40, written by uh, Christopher Priest, with art by Carlo Paglian. Pag, I wish I could say your name right, and Fernando Pazarin. Uh, I, we've been saying for a while that the art in this book is fantastic. I love it. Um, I'm not so sure about the story. I'm getting into it a little bit more, but I don't know if Priest's run on Deathstroke has been great. I really love his Black Panther stuff. I like a lot of stuff Priest has done in the past. Um, Gene, go ahead. He's really going in a different direction than he's ever gone with anything before, but that's kind of how Priest works. Um, this is the wrap-up of the Arkham story. One thing that I'm really, really enjoying is um, is his son, uh, Jericho, being a hero. And I love his costume. I keep saying that, but I really like that costume a lot that he's wearing. I don't mm -hmm. know why. Um you know, it's white, which is unusual for a superhero to really have just a white costume like that. Uh, they usually go for something more colorful. But I, I like it. I like the costume. I like uh, everything about him being around as a hero. I wish he were in one of the Titans groups. 
But, um, you know, the, the story's good. They they finished it off, which is good. So you know what happened, what didn't. It ends with um, the probably the most meta thing ever in a comic. Uh, you're getting DC's version of an imitation of of um, Deadpool who's an imitation right. of Deathstroke. Right. So it's very odd. And, and they actually challenge Marvel to sue them in the book. It's pretty uh, pretty amazing. But then he, he disappears seemingly forever at the end of this issue. Uh, yeah, and, uh, I, he's yeah. a figment of his imagination or whatever. I don't know. Well, he gets shot in the space. His mission, mission having been complete. Although, according to uh, to whoever it is that was monitoring this, what really happened was Deathstroke murdered six homeless guys. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So he's he's imagining this Deadpool character. But I don't know because other characters have interacted with that, that guy. So I don't know. Well, it's this is one of those things like Tom King's Mr. Miracle where you're not sure what really happened in the story. That kind of bothers me a little bit. Right. I'm a simple man with simple needs. I just want to know what's happening in the story I'm reading. Okay. What I'm did you get? It? A three. I, a three. I, I'm enjoying the series. A lot of times I have trouble reading a Deathstroke book because they, they take time to make him a hero. and They're not bothering to do that in this story, and I like that. Yeah. All right, I gave it a three as well. Uh, Circle gets a score on that. Now we move ahead to Female Furies, number one, written by Cecil Castellucci, with art by Adriana Mello. Um, Basically focusing on the women of Apocalypse, most specifically Granny Goodness, and uh, the uh, back when Granny Goodness was hot Granny Goodness. Um, And she was (laughs) hanging out with, uh, you know, Darkseid and them. This book definitely has some uh, not-so-subtle, I would say, commentary on social life right now, especially for women and whatnot. Uh, There is a very, I don't know if I would say disturbing, but definitely a very, like, well, I'll say disturbing, a very disturbing scene between Deathstroke and Granny, which uh, I I, I was a little like, hmm, dark side. Who did I say, Deathstroke? Yeah. Uh Before Uh, the last book. Yeah, Dark Side and Granny Goodness. Um, I was a little uncomfortable with this book. I, I didn't hate it. I didn't particularly like it super much. I don't know. I, I, I'm stumbling over my own words. Gene, go ahead. Yeah. One thing I liked about it, we do get all the classic female furies, including Big Barda. This is a time where Barda is still a member of the team, and before she went off with Scott. Um, it's very interesting because there's not any kind of underpinning where she's like, I got to get out of here one day. She's just a member of the team. In fact, she's not even focused on that much in the book. Uh, it's way right. more of a granny goodness story. And uh, you, you realize that as, as hard as women may have it on Earth, they have it a hell of a lot harder on, on Apocalypse. Um, yeah, there's all the, you know, women being less. It's, it's very much a story of female empowerment. It's a book called Female Fury. So if you have a problem with that, don't read the book. It's just not going to be for you. But a, a book called Female Fury probably should be about female empowerment, I would say. But you're right. There's yeah. that disturbing scene. There's that really disturbing scene, and uh, it was a, it was a little hard to get through. And knowing what was coming, and and even the other stuff with the training session with what's his face, um, you know where he's. Well, I can't remember who it was. Uh, One yeah. of Dark Side's like, yeah, where he, he's kind of he's yeah, he's essentially groping the woman during the training session, and she right. just at the end she's like, uh, we're not going to do this anymore, and he's like, yeah, we are. She has really no choice but to kind of acquiesce to what he wants. That's kind of messed up. I assume that by issue three, 
she's going to snap some necks. We'll see. We'll see. Um, what did you give it? I gave it a three. I think it was a good start. Like I said, it's for a certain audience, and I think I'm it for now, so I'm going to stay with it. Uh, I gave it a two, and, and here's one of my main reasons. A- Adriana Mello, who was also the artist who took over doing uh, the Plastic Man miniseries with Gail Simone recently, um, yeah. I th- that art, sometimes it just didn't look very good. I, I mean, it looked very amateurish compared to a lot of other DC stuff. I don't know. That's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest art in the world, but it was enough to keep me going. Uh, let's jump ahead now to Green Arrow, number 49, written by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lanzig, uh, with art by the fantastic. I, I keep raving about this dude, Javier Fernandez, who's who's really good, in my opinion. Um, it ended the Count Vertigo story. We come to find out Count Vertigo actually doesn't have really uh, new powers, necessarily. Um and it ends with Ollie sort of, instead of fighting him, talking to him. And they have a, a moment in the at the end of the book. Uh, I really like this book. I've been down on Green Arrow a lot, and this one really turned it around on for me. Uh, I gave it a four. I was happy with it. Gene? This issue had emotion, had powerful character moments. It mm-hmm. has a few funny moments. Um, this yeah. was the, probably the, one of the best issues I've read of this since the first issue of the Rebirth uh, series. Um, right. I love the the whole thing with, with talking about it. It's a, it's a Roy Harper issue, sort of, even though he's not in it at all. Um, but Vertigo reacting to um, his death was powerful. It really just, the, the, it just stops. I mean, it was so amazing. Just because he's, he's so mad, he's so angry, and he's yelling, and he's like, Why, where's Roy Harper? And, you know, Ollie just stops, and he walks up, and he's like, he died. And, and it's just yeah. so powerful, man. Really, really good stuff. I gave it one of my very few fives of the week. Oh, okay, sweet. I could almost have yeah. seen that. that I, yeah, for me, I gave it a four. But And the art, let me, again, Javier Fernandez, wow. I'm a huge fan. Maybe it's the Bray Fogel-esque-ness of his style, but, like, man, I love his stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really, uh, really good us... stuff. And Yeah, oh. go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to wrap it up. That brings us to Justice League number 17. Scott Snyder wrote it. Uh, Jim Chang uh, did the art. Um, it was a John Jones, Marsha Manhunter, and Lex Luthor-centric story, which is an odd combo, but uh, they were on Mars, and they were hanging out, and we come to find out there's a connection between those two that seems to go back, uh, well, a few decades. Uh, when they were young, that was weird. Very young. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, I really, I really, really like this issue. And by the way, Kurt, you forgot to mention the main character of the book, our good friend Jaro, Jaro yes, who really I, gets some stuff to do in this issue. Yeah, I was going to get to Jaro. Jaro, yes. Not only, not only does is, uh, not only is Jaro very much in the book, but he he does get injured. It seems a bit, and um, yes, he refers to Batman as father. And uh, yes. Batman shows great concern for Jaro, which I like. I like that. I like that relationship. Jaro, the next Robin. <laughs> I got to put an R on him. That'd be amazing. But uh, Big the, the issue, is, yes, yeah, Jay. Uh, it's a powerful issue. Also, there's some amazing character stuff, and that connection between um, between the two characters. Now, typically, when they go back and they're like, "Hey, guess what? Everything's different than you remember." I don't like it, but in this case, it really, really works. And it's really powerful. It's really good. 
and um, Lex Luthor gets some depth. Um, you know, it's one of two great Lex books this week, and I'll get into the next one in a few minutes. But uh, what a what a great book! It was it was just a really good issue. My favorite single issue of this book so far. Oh, what'd you give it? A hard four. Okay, I'll stick with it. And now we go to Man and Superman, 100-page spectacular. Uh, I'm just going to let Gene go. I know Gene is, is chomping at the bit to get this one. Go ahead. I sure am. Uh, Marv Wolfman wrote this book many years ago. Uh, this yeah. book was four issues that was supposed to be in the Superman Confidential book that DC ended up canceling before we got to this particular story. It sat around for a long time in the DC offices, and Dan DeVito was talking to Wolfman, and they decided to go ahead and put it out uh, because it's you know it's still as as good today as it was ten years ago. And you know, Kurt, I didn't write down the artist. Do you happen to know who that is? Uh, no, I actually didn't. Um, I, I thought I wrote it down here somewhere. Damn it! I'll look it up. You go right. I'm on sorry. It. Okay, yeah, I'll keep going. This is um this I'm going to say it right now. This is my book of the week without hesitation. Um, I love this story. It deals with a very particular time in Superman's life, one that I always like when they go into. And it's a time after he left Smallville, uh, but he had yet to start working at the Daily Planet, and he had yet to don the Superman costume. I always love that. It was like Superman the Secret Years, which came out in the 80s, deals with that same period of time. And some other people have, too. Uh, but this is a really, really good version. I feel like I, this should have been like a graphic novel and given more weight than it was given in this 100-page special. Um, it's a It's a terrific story, and and it's flexible enough, you'll notice, to fit in most of the continuities. You know, because they, they show the, the Kents making the costume for Clark, and they, they pretty much say they're alive, but they could not be alive if that's, you know, what you need for your story. But anyway, it's, it's just a great deal of um, cool Superman moments. You see when he first comes to Metropolis, uh, the writing isn't really paying off that well because he's not working for the planet yet, and he's a janitor in his, in his spare time. And he, he he has some friends, and, and that's something I don't see a whole lot. Super interacting with just people on a on a friend level, you know. You see Jimmy and of course Lois and stuff, and maybe even Perry. But just him hanging out at a baseball game was a really good moment for me. And this whole book was incredible. The art was terrific. Even though I forgot the artist, uh, everything about it was great. I gave it yes. I was gonna say the artist is Claudio Castellini. Excellent, excellent, really good stuff. Um, I love his Superman. I love the conversation between Superman and Luthor. That was a really, really good Luthor yeah. moment, too. That um, was. Though Luthor, yeah, though Luthor's not in this a whole bunch, um, he, he really he, he's powerful throughout the book. You, you know, you can kind of tell what's going on, and he's up to no good, and he returns after a long time overseas, like five years, I think they said. And this, this to me, could have been like the beginning, like this could have been the rebirth origin of Superman. Yeah. What did you give it? I gave it a five. Wow. I'm, All right. I'm throwing the fives around today. Yeah, I'll let your five stand. I'm not going to – I don't think I could do better or – well, I I liked it. <laughs> I liked it, but not as much as you. Um, oh, I love it. Let's see. Let's go to Marvel Comics. Let's do some rapid fire here with Marvel, starting with Age of X of the X-Man. Uh, Marvelous X-Men number one, written by Lonnie Nadler with, uh, or written by Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson, with art by Marco Fela, something like that. Anyway, 
Uh, I don't I don't think this Age of the X Man. I, I liked Age of the po- Age of Apocalypse was okay. Age of X Man not so much. Uh, this is instead of like being in a hellscape that Apocalypse was. Uh, Age of the X Man is uh, like basically the X Men are living in a utopia, a heaven of sorts. I don't I, I understand it. I get what's going on. I don't really care. I gave this a two. Yeah, and the fact that it took two people are right there for me with me. I gave it a two. Right. Champions number two came out. Jim Zub wrote it, and uh, what's his name? Damn it, I just wrote down Cummings. I, did, I forgot the guy's first name. Anyway, uh, Mephisto shows up and makes a deal. We find out what is going on with Miles Morales and Mephisto. Uh, Braun and Miles seem to have sort of, uh, well, Miles and specifically made a deal with Mephisto to uh, save uh, two of his teammates who died on a mission, yeah, so seemingly. He sort of made a deal. Sort of, right. He didn't actually, like, yeah, there was no other end of the deal. Mephisto kind of said, like, hey, I'll do this for you. And they went ahead and did it. Uh, I gave it a three. I liked it. I I agree with. Sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm running over you. I definitely agree with your three. Uh, It's a good story. I'm liking it. I'm very interested in where it's going. I like that there's yet another spider character that uh, Mephisto is messing with mm-hmm. yeah the, and there was a, I like the twist I like the twist that uh, there was a, a price to pay we just didn't see it or M- Miles and them didn't see it They there was a young girl they rescue at the beginning of the story and then uh, at the end we find out that that girl died that girl was uh, basically sacrificed um, right and, and Miles is completely unaware of that uh, I liked it a lot I, like I said I gave it a 3 Gene yeah, the three stands. I like it a lot. Uh, Conan the Barbarian, number three. Jason Aaron wrote it. Mahmoud Azrar did the art, who's fantastic. Uh, this entire issue, continue, it's slowly continuing sort of the underlying story there with Conan, these two uh, creepy kids and a witch. Um, but this particular issue is basically a, a group of people when Conan was a much younger man uh, trying to execute him. Uh, first, they try to hang him, and then they try to uh, look like they draw and quarter him, sort of. Uh, and Krom yeah. possibly steps in, even though Conan knows that Krom wouldn't have stepped in. Um, I like this book a lot. I gave it a four. Yeah, I, I'll let that four stand for sure. Um, Conan, I like what I like about this book is everything. Every time Conan succeeds in this book, it's purely by luck, which is not right. the usual thing for Conan. But he, 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 given. Like, if it's those lucky things didn't happen, he would have died twice in the book. <laughs> yeah. It's just pretty fantastic. Uh, and then we go to Deadpool, number nine, written by Scotty Young and art by Nick Klein. Uh, Deadpool has lost his heart, and he gets the help of uh, Jessica Jones and ending up with the help of Brother Voodoo. And, hey, Mephisto is also in this issue a little bit. So um, that's that's two issues this week with him. Uh, I gave this a two. Mm-hmm. Deadpool sometimes is funny. There are some good little moments in here, but not enough to keep me really going. Uh, I gave it a two. Yeah, this, this sure was a Deadpool book that came out this week. I like Kurt's number stand. Okay. Immortal Hulk, number 13. Al Ewing wrote it. Joe Bennett did the art. It kind of wraps up some of the Hulk uh, weapon uh, mass destruction sort of storyline that we got going with Hulk and Hell. Um, I like it a lot. I, I think we rave about this book every single week. I don't know if we need to go on and on about it. Read it. Buy it. You should. I gave this issue a five. One of my few fives this week. 
Yeah, I, I, I go ahead and agree with that five. Um, buy two of these. Give re, Keep one for yourself and give another a friend. Yeah, everything that these guys are doing, this book is fantastic. Um, Killmonger, number four, came out. Brian Hill wrote it. Juan Ferreira. Ferreria did the art. Uh, I actually, I know that Gene, I don't think Gene's been particularly crazy about this book. I've liked it. Uh, this issue was decent right up until sort of the twist ending. I didn't like the, uh, so basically it, it's a bit of espionage going on, a couple of double agents and stuff. And uh, Eric Killmonger has gotten caught up in uh, this like um, uh, sort of a thing going on between S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Kingpin and uh, uh, these mercenaries and whatnot. Uh, I liked the book a lot right up until the point some mystical goddess showed up and sort of pointed uh, Killmonger in the direction of the weapons. I thought it was weird. Uh, beyond that, I, I'm enjoying this book, though. I gave this issue a two. Yeah, I'll let the two stand. Uh, I'm not a fan. I, I like that character in the movie, and I like the comic character. I don't need the movie character becoming the comic character in this case. And, well, yeah, I, I think they're doing... And they do that all the time now. They try to merge the two worlds, but sure. I think they're doing a decent job with this to a certain extent. Yeah, it's not bad. It just didn't. It's not exciting me that much. Even though I love Black Panther the movie and I love the comic, this is right. just not doing it for me. Uh, Star Wars number sixty-one came out. Uh, Kieran Gillen wrote it. Andrea Brocardo did the art. Uh, finally, Han, Luke, and Leia return to the Rebels and uh, the Rebel Alliance. They find their way back home. And Leia very much says they're after the Show Tehran, which uh, were the, uh, the the queen and whatnot that helped Vader basically almost decimate the, Re- the Rebellion uh, issues and issues ago. Uh, I really yeah. like this book. I still gave this issue a two. I'm hoping it picks up the speed and gets back to the pace it was before. But uh, it's a good book. I would highly recommend Marvel Star Wars stuff. Yeah, this is the point where I usually say, I'm catching up on the book. Well, I decided to read this issue. Um, yeah. Because I, I was kind of itching for a Star Wars story. And I liked it a lot. I liked uh, – here's a, there's actually a, a, a subtle connection between this week's Star Wars comic and then the Age of the Republic Anakin book. That I, mm-hmm. I, At least I kind of – a little bit as far as um, Leia seems to, to have a moral choice in, in the Star Wars book. Uh, about possibly having to take out a whole planet full of people. Is, is I correct in that? Uh, I don't know if she was going to take them out, but yeah, they were doing something. I forget how the decision was. This is one of the first things I read last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been a little bit. It seems like there was a moral decision that Leia had to do, and it's basically very close to the decision that Anakin has to make in the Age of Republic book. And I right. kind of like that, even if it wasn't done on purpose. Um, it's kind of neat to see his father and daughter making uh, slightly different choices. Right. What did you give it, out of curiosity? I gave it a three. It was fun. All right. Tony Stark Iron Man number eight also came out. Dan Slott wrote it. Valerio Sheedy did the art. Iron Man still stuck in this AI world of his own making with these uh, AI versions of his parents. It's interesting. It's fun. Uh, we get a plenty of Machine Man in this issue, which is always a good thing. Uh, I give this particular issue a three. Um, I think it's been. I think it was a better issue than the last, but and I like the controller a lot. So we'll see where it goes from here. Yeah, I'm. I'm liking this series. Um, I know that this this story is going to wrap up soon because it's going to be interrupted um, for the War of the Realms crossover, which is actually not going to be written by. Um, 
Dan's slot, but Gail Simone takes over for two issues. Hmm, um, I'm okay. not sure if that's in the middle. Of, yeah, I'm not sure if that's in the middle of this story and they continue later, or if they're going to finish this story and then do that. I don't know, but um, prepare for that for a few months. Sweet. What did you give yeah. it? I I think I gave it a three. I like the book. I've been continuing right. to like the book. And then last two rapid fire books: Wolverine, The Long Night, Number Two. Benjamin Percy wrote it. Uh, Marcio Takara drew it. I'm not really a fan. This is based on that podcast. I, I don't know. It's just not really doing it for me. And I haven't I haven't listened to the podcast, so maybe I should. Gene, I gave it a one. Yeah, I'm with you. It's nothing I care about. And then X23 number nine also came out. Uh, Mariko Tamaki wrote it. Diego Orlategua, Orlategu, I don't know, uh, drew it. Uh, X23 clone bot. Uh, there's another clone out there that's part <laughs> robot, part X23. Who cares? I gave it a one. Uh, now we go back to the beginning. Uh, what? Nothing. Keep going. Okay. As Guardians of the Galaxy, number six, Colin Bunn wrote that one. Matteo Buffagni did the art. I know Gene was all over this one because he was super excited when he sent me messages about this a few days ago. Gene, go ahead. Oh, man. First of all, it's a good story. Let's let's get that out of the way. There's cool stuff going on. There's good stuff with uh, Young Thunderstrike, as I like to call him, um, and a few of the other characters. But the most important thing, guys, about this book I love, Kurt and I both love minor characters when they show up in books, and this is a weird one. In the 80, early 80s, Marvel did a line for children called Star, Star Comics. That's where we got Peter Porker from, was the Star line of comics. And there were a few other books. One of the books was called Planet Terry, which is about this little kid in a red jumpsuit with white hair that had all these adventures in space. Well, out mm-hmm. of the blue, what do we get in this issue? A, a grown ass planet Terry hanging out with uh, with the group, or in the yeah. story, and I was blown away by that. Like that made my entire day the day. Right, I was just I was just excited about it. Uh, and you know, add that to the already pretty cool book, and I'm giving this a four. Yeah, I gave it a very high rating. For me, uh, there, there's the character of Cammy, who was the sidekick of Drax in the early like yeah. revamp of Drax miniseries, which I like that character a lot. So I'm happy to see that she's yeah. still around too. Uh, I, I'll let yeah, that stand. I really enjoyed this book. All right, and Pip the Troll shows up, of course. And Pip, but Pip looks like, I told the other day we were talking about that, I, he looks very Salacious Crumish. I don't know if I like the redesign of Pip. Yeah, it's kind of weird. And he has apparently given up smoking. Well, as did Wolverine years and years ago. But anyway, uh, yes. Avengers number 14 also came out this week. Uh, Jason Aaron wrote it. David Marquez did the art. It's a whole bunch of vampires there, folks. A whole bunch of vampires in this issue. The Avengers are fighting a whole bunch of vampires. Let's just get that down your throat because you, that's what you get m- bombarded with from the beginning of this issue. Uh, I kind of liked it. There's some cool new, like, badass stormtrooper uh, vampire dude who's the leader of this rebellious group who's going against Dracula and trying to kill him. Um I don't know. I'm on the fence on this one. Gene wanted to talk about it, which surprised me, so I'll shut up and let you take over. Well, here's why. There's a couple of things. First of all, this new guy. I like that you kind of think he might be a good guy because he's destroying all these, uh, like, Drax troops and stuff. But as it turns out, he's just a bad guy that wants to be the new king of the vampires. And I kind of thought that was pretty cool. But one of the things that I really liked about this is, guess what? After a couple issues of just cool, cool, but, like, not really much happening stories, Stuff is starting to really happen. 
there's right. some weirdness going on with um, with Danny Ketch. Uh, he's he's having some some interesting issues with the devil himself. Um, well, it's not what, Danny. Was it again? Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Holy crap! The new kid, yeah. uh, Reyes. Oh my God! Sorry. Wow. The the new Ghost Rider, like the fourth one or fifth one, whatever he is. Right. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so there's that. Um, I, I like it. Stuff's happening with him. The vampire stuff is happening. Um, it's neat, and this is a villain I think might might make it worth having Blade on the team for a few issues. Yeah, I'm not crazy about Blade. Uh, the Ghost Rider thing is neat. We get we get a possibly vampire Ghost Rider towards the end, which is funny. And then we get Dracula going to the Winter Guard and uh, looking like he's seeking sanctuary in the already, uh, which will already raise tensions between you know the Avengers and the Winter Guard and stuff. So uh, we'll see yeah, how this uh, goes. What did you give it? I gave it a three. I liked it. Okay. I I can't disagree with you too much. Uh, Daredevil number one. The relaunch of Daredevil came out. Chip Zdarsky wrote it. Marco Cicchetto did the art. Um, I really, really like this issue. Uh, the art was really good and, and fun. Uh, Marco, or wait, is it Marco? Yeah, it's Marco. Marco Cicchetto, I think he was doing the early issues of Old Man Hawkeye, which I was a big fan of. Um, but yeah, Matt Murdock's back, but he's not 100%. He's still beaten up a little bit. Uh, the Kingpin is uh, sort of looks like it, it seems like at one point he's still mayor of New York. It seems like he's sort of just going through the humdrum of everyday life until he finds out Daredevil's back and then he puts a smile on his face. Um, and then Daredevil stops a robbery, which possibly led to the death of a man who I, I believe had like a fractured skull or something, um, yeah. which will lead, of course, to Daredevil being wanted and whatnot. And they introduce a new character. I believe his name is Detective Cole North, uh, this large African-American guy. Um, and he seemed interesting. I liked his little standoff with a few of the officers and stuff. Um, he seems like a good character. I gave it a four. I really, really enjoyed this book. It, uh, it chips at Arsky, so that, that means it's going to be really, really good. But this was really, really good. I mean, it, it was exceptional. It's a great start for for Daredevil. It's nothing, you know, drastically different than what we've seen before. But it's it's good, solid Daredevil stuff. We've established that Fisk, Fisk is still there. He's still out there, and he's a menace. But maybe Daredevil is not quite ready to go back out there yet. But he does anyway. And uh, right. it, as as the uh, the preacher says, you know, you're you're addicted to to violence and pain, and that's going to yeah. be your downfall. And that's that's definitely something we're seeing, and uh, hopefully there'll be someone here to um, to ground him. And hopefully that person isn't a female, because if it is, Bullseye's just going to kill her. So this is right. needs to be someone right. someone different. Yeah, they do introduce a, a well a possible one night stand interest with Daredevil. This uh, this woman he meets at a bar, and uh, yeah. yeah, she she's got she's got R.I.P. written all over her already. If, if she sticks around for more than one issue. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Um, what did you give it? I gave it a four. I I'll tell you, and I I I try to find reasons not to give it a five because I'm throwing them around like like uh like gravy today, you know, and they're like glitter sticking all over everything. But um, I, I it was close to a five, but I gave it a four. All right, that brings us to Gunhawks number one, written by uh, David and Maria Lapham, with art by Luco Pizzari. Uh, I'm a sucker for a good Western. This continues the Marvel 80th uh, anniversary thing. So this is a Western tale, a, a one-shot uh, story. 
uh, focusing on Dead Man Donnelly and protecting his town from uh, some enemies from the past, some of Pancho Villa's special uh, female fighters, the Soldaradas or Soldaradas, whatever. I, I'm my Spanish not so good. Uh, very good story. Like I said, I'm a good, I'm a sucker for a good western. This this sort of filled a you know this, this scratched an itch a little bit this week. I give it a 3.5 though. I wasn't super impressed, especially knowing that this isn't going to like last. So that kind of made Where's me. Where's one issue? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would like to have seen more. I, I like to see a western book ongoing at Marvel, but that's probably never going to happen, or at least not during in the current climate. Uh, unfortunately, after Italy to find western comics doing any good. Uh, but this is this is really really good. It takes place soon after the Mexican War, and uh, there are a lot of after effects of that war in this story, and uh, I really liked it. It's it, Again, it is a great, solid Marvel Western in the uh, tradition of old. Yeah, fantastic cover, fantastic art. Everything was good about this book. Gene, what did you give it? I gave it a three. All right. Old Man Quill, number one, started this week. Ethan Sachs, who wrote the Old Man Hawkeye stuff, uh, wrote it. Robert Gill, who last I remember did Valiance uh, Britannia, the Eagles of Rome miniseries that came out just a few months ago. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy show up, but hey, guess what? They're old people now because they're old men. Get it? <laughs> and Peter Quill was the leader of Spartax until something bad happens. Uh, and then they head to Earth, and guess what? It's old man Earth. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, Gene, you wanted to talk about this. I don't know why. Go ahead. <laughs> I I kind of like that we're we're getting a Star-Lord that's he's not happy-go-lucky. There's some terrible things that have happened to him, and he, he's been a leader for a long time. So I expect what we're going to get out of this is, a, is an entirely different character, and I'm okay with that. I think it's a character that's evolved. I mean, a lot of this is conjecture on my part, but there's enough right. there to look forward to. I think, uh, and, I, okay. and I've not been a fan of the old man stuff, uh, so I'll give this definitely a three. Wow, we I'll let that three stand. Uh, I was a huge nut about old man Hawkeye, so maybe I'll be wrong about this book. Maybe further along I'll like it more. Um, sure. But there we go. Star Wars: Age of the Republican Republic Republican. Wow, Age of the Republic. Anakin <laughs> Skywalker. <laughs> I'm reading currently <laughs> watching some. Yeah, I'm reading a news scroll right now, so that's what threw me off. Uh, Anakin Skywalker. Um, Jody Hauser wrote it. Corey Smith and Wilton Santos did the art. Uh, I, I Clearly, Gene was a little more impressed with this book and than I was. So I'll let you, again, I'll let you start. Go ahead. Well, I, I think it's always neat when you get to the point where Anakin isn't broken totally yet. Um, and you're seeing stories, you know, that obviously will lead to him being broken and becoming Vader later. But for now, he's actually trying his best to be a hero. And I enjoy those kind of Anakin stories. There are not enough of them out there. I mean, yeah, there are some, uh, Clone Wars yeah. and stuff like that. But um, I really like those kind of stories. And I enjoyed this. And maybe it's because I haven't been reading the Star Wars books, but I was pretty high on both of them this, this week. Um, you know, it, there's nothing special really happening. It's a, it's a good story, a good solid story. It's a one-shot. I'm actually going to go back and read some of those other one-shots that have come out recently and see if... Uh, is there any good, too? Because this one really, I, I kind of dug it. It wasn't great, but it was good, and I give it a three. Okay. I'll let that stand. I, I felt like there wasn't a whole lot new there, which was my only yeah. opinion on this book, really. 
that brings sure. us to another big book, and a big book that Gene talked about day one when everything came out, Uncanny X-Men number 11, written by the fantastic Matt Rosenberg, with art by Salvador LaRocca. Cyclops takes center stage in this book, and it seems to be setting up for the upcoming new spinoff, the main book, uh, the, the main team that's coming up. Gene, you take it away. It was good. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> this is this is almost directly leads from the uh, Uncanny X Men annual. If you have not read that, you need to uh, before reading this. And guess what, guys? The book that has sucked for the last ten issues is finally good. Uh, not only good, but really great. Um, this, this you see some great characters, as as Kurt mentioned. You get. Um, Wow, I don't know if I can even name all of them. Blindfold, the one I kind of dig. Um, you get Chamber, yeah, you get you're blind... seeing Mad Drops. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Blindfold, sorry, Chamber, Madrix, uh, Callisto pops up, and you yeah. Layla Miller, which is a character who I thought was kind of written out for the time being because of you know Peter David. Not I, one of those characters where I thought, oh, if Peter David's not writing her, then she's kind of gone. Um, but she's there. And then uh, yeah, Wolverine. that's kind of neat. Yeah, it's funny that 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 speaks to the talent of Peter David. When um, I mean, he was a Bendis creation, or she was a Bendis creation, and he didn't do anything with her. And Peter David's like, "Hey, I'm gonna pick up this little string." But anyway, right. he didn't write this book. Uh, <laughs> uh, this book is amazing. Um, it's definitely setting something up. I don't know. I mean, clearly all those X Men can't be dead, but uh, for now they're not here. And Cyclops is is striving to find out. Uh, you do get Cyclops fighting with Wolverine for the first time. With as as a teammate, like together against somebody, against a whole right. bunch of somebody, because um, Cyclops does a really really dumb thing. He, he publicly announces he's like, "Hey, any X Men that want to team up, join me over here." And none right. of the X Men team up show up except Wolverine, and all their enemies show up. <laughs> so there's Which is a very fight cool. Ensues. Yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. The fight's really cool. Wolverine almost doesn't jump in, but then he does. Um, and then, then you know, it's neat. Wolverine's kind of like, you know what, I don't want to be part of this team. And he actually says, I don't care about Cyclops, which was interesting right. to me. Because I, I think he kind of does a little bit. Well, of course he, he does. Wants real, yeah, he just wants real Cyclops back. Um, it, it, yeah, it's really cool. And, and what surprised me is that this, this issue, uh, you have the main story, and then you have some, some backup stories that are really solid. Uh, there's yeah. actually a blindfold story, which is excellent. Uh, I'll say yeah, it's obviously the best story with that character. Totally, I, I 100% yeah, agree. And you get a backup, uh, you get a backup story with Wolverine focusing on sort of his uh, side of all this, the whole, the events from the first part of the story. It's really good. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really read much Wolverine since he died, so it's kind of neat seeing him back. And uh, he's not wearing that terrible costume in this, is he? Not yet. Oh, he's, good. Maybe anyway, Gene, maybe he lost what did it you... along the way. Yeah, hopefully. This is another. Gene, what did you... Another. I'm sorry, we're stepping. Ooh, I know we're all over. I get, we are. <laughs> this is again. This is the five for me. All right. Another Sweet. one. Well, that that wraps up Marvel Comics. Now let's jump around to everything else, and we'll go pretty fast here. I think. Aftershock Comics brought us Oberon number one, written by Ryan Parrott with art by Milo Slavkovic. Uh, the Fairy King shows up, uh, and he, a young girl who seems to be not of this world. Um, 
that story's been done to death. This is nothing new. I, I really hate to put a book down so quickly in the first issue, but come on. This story, like, we've seen this story so many times now. Unless something new happens with it, I don't know what to say. I gave it a one. Yeah, I'm with you. And that brings us to Ahoy Comics, Wrong Earth, Whee! number six, written by Tom Pyre with art by Jamal Eagle. This book has been fantastic. Uh, two superheroes from two very different worlds. One is sort of a Batman 66 uh, mixed with sort of a 1990s anti-hero, sort of uh, super grungy. Uh, the cops want him. He's possibly a killer and everything else uh, version. They switch places. And in this particular issue sort of wraps up the main first story arc, and we get a jump to, a, well, like a year ahead, basically. Very neat stuff. Gene, you take it away. Yeah, they, they're, they're calling this the end of the first season, and we'll be getting the, the second season later on, not, not too far down the line. They announced when, I just can't remember. But it's coming soon, within a year. Um, this is a great wrap-up. I like that the, um, the, the kind of the innocent uh, Batman 66 type um, – he really seems to be making a difference in, in the, the darker world. And I, and I like that a ton. He, like, he's doing a better job, I think. And then the, right. the dark one's kind of like bringing the world down with him, in my opinion. <laughs> you know, it's kind of, he's not doing such a great job. I, I wonder if this is going to end with a, kind of a confrontation between the two the two heroes. Yeah, eventually. You know? um, maybe. Yeah, and I almost, like, I it seems to me like the Batman 66 type maybe doesn't want to go home. Maybe he'd be better off in the world he's in making a difference. I don't know. I think he's, I think the Batman 66 type guy is uh, the dragonfly man. He's, um, I think he's just sort of a happy go lucky guy. I think he makes the best of a situation. Whereas the other right, dude sure. is very much like, uh, you know, he, he kind of looks with a sneer at his surroundings, but, um, I don't I for some reason I think he's one who's not necessarily keen on like leaving that world. Oh, interesting. I what I really like my favorite part of the issue and I'm sure it made Kurt laugh too was when Dragonfly just basically pays people off to stop being bad and not reveal right. their identities. He's like you're fucking right. cops. Here's like here's more money than you'll ever get from anyone. Just just right. keep my secret. <laughs> and and they appear to do so. And it's pretty great. Yeah, it's a good, it's a very good book. I highly recommend this. If you're not reading Wrong Earth, you should. It's it's fun. Um, what did you give this issue, Gene? I gave it a four. Uh, again, it was probably close to a five for me, but it's it's a four. Sweet. I'll let that four stand. I agree with you. Uh, Archie Comics brought us 1941, number five, written by Wade and Augustine, with art by the great Peter Krauss. Uh, bringing an end to this story of Archie during wartime. Um, it was a good ending. Uh, they left us with a cliffhanger last issue where we thought, hey, Reggie and Archie might die. Turns out, nope, uh, spoiler alert, Reggie dies, which is fine. Everybody's fine with that. Uh, Archie survives, comes back. He's a changed man. He finds that the world is a bit changed, but Riverdale will always be the same. Uh, it was good. It's kind of a slow, kind of dark story, but I liked it a lot. Gene? Yeah, it was interesting. Um I what I what I I'm not sure I'm not sure I felt about Archie living through it. I mean he's the main character, so he kind of he kind of have to. Uh, but there's a kind of a mystery throughout the issue if he did. Like you don't know right away that he had lived. There's a, there's a uh, a general feeling 
that he's dead. In fact, he has a funeral and a grave headstone and all that stuff. Uh, but when he does show up, it's kind of interesting. It's neat to see where the characters end up. Uh, Jughead's really upset that his friend left him, and he blames him for it to an extent. I mean, obviously, they do okay once they're reunited, but um, there's there's that period when, when Archie's believed dead, and Jughead's just kind of like, wow, my my friend let me down. And that's, right. that was kind of weird, but I, I liked it a lot. And uh, Betty, Betty doing what she does, and even Veronica's life is very changed by the, the supposed death of Archie Andrews. And I thought it was yeah. pretty terrific. It was a great story, and uh, it's something I, I will own in trade when it comes out. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely like I said, it's a little bit of a depressing story at times, a little slow, but it's really good and a really decent issue. I gave it a three overall. I'd give the miniseries probably about a three or four. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, overall, I'd say, I, I think I'd probably put it at a four. Yeah. That brings us to Boom Studios, which gave us Empty Man, number four, written by Colin Bunn, with art by Jesus Hervis. Uh, this is an okay little horror story. I'm digging it a little bit, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not into it as much as Colin Bunn's other stuff. Uh, I gave it a two, yeah. Gene. Yeah, the, the, there, what, what, what's not happening in this book yet is we're not building attention. And for, for good horror to be really effective, that's what you need. And I'm not feeling that with this book. Uh, it's good. It's not great. I gave it a two and a half. Right. Uh, WWE 25 also came out from Boom Studios. Dennis Hopeless wrote it. Serge Acuna did the art. In this particular issue, we get AJ Styles uh, with his running feud with Samoa Joe as Samoa Joe torments him and his family. Uh, I, I enjoy these wrestling books, uh, the WWE book, as it sort of tells the backstory behind what's going on you see on TV. It's funny. It's goofy. It's I, I don't know. Sometimes it's a little too meta for me in, in a weird way because it, it takes the story seriously. Uh, I gave it a two and a half. I, I like it, cool. but I, I don't know. I can't. I can't convince myself. It's it's great. Sure. Yeah, I know you enjoy With, those very much. They're 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 I, way beyond me though. I don't. I, I can't catch them. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, Dark Horse Comics brought us BPRD, The Devil You Know 13, written by Mike Mignola and Scott Alley, with art by Lawrence Campbell. A huge epic story involving the BPRD and Hellboy and even a handful of other sort of peripheral characters from the BPRD universe. It's a great, great book. It's everything I sort of always wanted in a BPRD big epic story. And uh, so far we got 13 issues of it, which is good. This issue was very fun, fast-paced, lots of action. Gave it a three. Yeah, I didn't like it quite as much as you. I gave it a two. It's it's BPRD and yay, but you know, nothing really okay. special. That brings us to Girl in the Bay number one by J. M. Dematius and Corin Howell did the art. Uh, this was a cool little different thing. I didn't expect honestly. I wasn't even sure what this book was. I went into it pretty blind, and then I saw Dematius's name on it. And I said, "Oh, okay, cool." Uh, as, as a fan of him, uh, about a young girl who was murdered back, I believe, in the 60s? Yeah, in the, the yeah, late, late, 60s, late 60s, 68, 69. Yeah. And uh, she was dumped into, she was stabbed, dumped into Sheepshead Bay, and she wakes back up. She comes back out of the water, and hey, guess what? It's 50 years later, and it looks like there's a bit of a doppelganger who's taken her place and lived her life. Um, I don't know. I'm curious to see where it goes. Gene. Yeah, in, in the '60s when she's killed, um, it's not even a little killed. It's not like, oh, maybe she, maybe she lived through it. No, she was. Right. She got cut up pretty good by this this right. 
know, Charles Manson type dude. Um, Jan DeMattius always has a, a great skill with people. Every character means something. Every character is there for a reason. Um, one of the things I think that made me right, right away think this book would be great, not only Jan DeMattis is on it, if you look, the editor of the book is um, Karen Berger, formerly of, oh, of right. Vertigo. Uh, the, the girl who built Vertigo, if you want to call her something. Um, the woman. So I think that the woman, sorry, who built Vertigo. I, I still call men guys, so it's just kind of a thing. It's not meant to be offensive to anyone who's listening, except for Curtis. Uh, right. But it, it's an excellent story. I will tell you that this came a hair's breadth away from being my book of the week. I liked oh. it a whole lot. It was, yeah, I really, really liked the story. Um, it's it's simple. It's good. Um, the art's really nice. And I, I can't wait for the next issue. I, I get another one of my fives thrown out there like a crazy person. Woo! Wow, I wasn't as high up on this book. I, I gave this one a three. Um, I liked it a lot, but I just wasn't overly impressed with it. So uh, there you go. Sure. Halo, the Lone Wolf, or Halo Lone Wolf, number two, written by Ann Tool with art by Kieran McCown. McCown, whatever, I don't know how you pronounce it. Uh, it's an okay book. I, I don't know. Some of the Halo stuff is very hit and miss. This is definitely not one that's necessarily a hit with me. I gave it a two. Uh, the art's okay. The story's okay. It's just okay. All yeah, right. that's 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 exactly right. Two. Uh, LaGuardia number three, written by Nettie Okorafor, Okorafor, and art by Tana Ford. It's kind of funny. It's it, it's a, it's definitely a sci-fi story about sort of uh, alien immigration into onto Earth and in the U.S. There's a lot of there's some undertones and stuff there. But beyond that, it, it's an okay book. There are some fun books. The art is decent. It's just, it's not, again, it's another book that's okay, but not great. Uh, I gave it a two as well. Yeah, I'm with you. Mystery Science Theater 3000, the comic, written, or number four, written by various people with art by Todd Nayak. Um, Mike Manley also contributed. There's a few other artists in there that contributed. Uh, I didn't think MST3K could translate over well to comics, but it's done a decent job. But again, and I hate to keep repeating myself, this book is not, like, jaw-droppingly funny. It's just okay. It, it makes me laugh here and there. For that reason, I gave it a 2.5. I couldn't justify a 3. Yeah, I'll let that stand. It's clever in point parts, but it's not clever overall, and it needs to be. Right. Uh, Sword Daughter, number six, written by Brian Wood, with art by Mark Chatter from Dark Horse. I think this is a great sort of uh, Viking uh, Norwegian tale done by Brian Wood, who I'm a big fan of. Um, it, it's, it's a slow-paced revenge uh, story. I very much enjoy it. I recommend it highly to anybody out there who likes uh, maybe his Northlander stuff. Uh, check this one out. It's good. I, I really... I, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just a very good story. I gave it a four. Yeah, it's, it is really good. Um, the, and the action scenes are so well done. And that's something that yeah. some comics miss out. They're, they don't quite have that visual narrative down. But uh, it's it's spot on here. And I'll let Kurt's uh, good grade stand. Yeah, and it doesn't it doesn't overfill the uh, the action scenes with like uh, pointless narration or, or you know dialogue. Right. It just it's there. It lets the artist do yeah. his thing. Exactly. Uh, Umbrella Academy, Hotel Oblivion, number five, Gerard Way and Gabriel Baugh handled this one as always. 
I'm a little behind on Umbrella Academy, so that's why I gave it a two, because I'm not sure 100% what's going on. I probably should catch up with the Netflix show getting ready to start, but uh, I think I remember a bit of the beginning, so I'll be okay. Uh, Hotel Oblivion 5 gets a two from me. Gene, anything? Not really. I mean, I, I don't know enough about the series. I need to go back and read more. Speaking of not knowing enough about the series, Battlestar Galactica Twilight Command came out from Dynamite Comics this week. Uh, Michael Moretti, Moretti wrote it. Breno Tamura drew it. Gene, you're a big Battlestar Galactica fan. How did you feel about this? I wanted to like it a lot more than I did. Um, right. <laughs> there's, yeah, I, I don't know. And even for a little bit in there, I was like, wonder which continuity this is, because it's not 100% clear. Uh, until toward, kind of towards the end when you actually see stuff happening. Oh, it was pretty clear but about it, halfway through. Yeah, it, it, it's well, yeah, the new right. continuity. Yeah. Yeah. And to me, it was like, wow, this is kind of confusing. And, yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't do it for me. Um, I don't know what's going on that much. I really don't care that much about this, this right. miniseries. Yeah. Uh, I gave it a two as well. I'm a big fan of uh, the the newer BSG a lot, and uh, even I wasn't overly impressed with this one. Uh, Maybe it'll get better. I hope it does, Uh, but my two, the two stands, I guess. Project Superpowers, number six, came out. Rob Williams wrote it. Sergio Davila, Davila, who does the art, is a fantastic artist, and this book looks gorgeous. A huge super battle throwdown with Pandora happens in this issue, uh, the white llama shows up because the green llama is dead. Um, it, I don't know. This is a really fun book. I enjoy it. I The art is definitely maybe the high point of the book for me at times, but uh, I gave it a three. Gene, I know you want to talk about it. Go ahead. Yeah, it's a fantastic wrap-up to the series. Um, and this is just plain old good old superhero stuff, you know? They don't try to be anything else. They're not dissecting the genre. They're just doing the genre. And they're doing a terrific job with it. Um, and again, Kurt's right. The art really does stand out. All the characters are amazing. The designs. The uh, who's the flag girl? What's her name? Do you know? Oh, which one? The uh... the the one that's wrapped in the American flag. Oh, I, the cape, or or the the flag, oh. or whatever. I think she's just called flag or something like that. Okay. Yeah. The visuals on her in this issue are so totally over the wall. I love it. It's really neat stuff and. And I, I hope there's a new series coming out soon. Yeah, I think it will be continuing. This this is just ending like the first chapter of this uh, volume, basically. Well, yeah, because we do see a changed team coming out of it, and that's kind of neat. Right. What did you give it? I gave it a three. Yeah, same here. Uh, that brings us okay. to Dynamite Comics also gave us Red Sonia number one, written by Mark Russell with art by Mirko Kolak. Uh, restarting the Red Sonia book written by Mark Russell is a fantastic thing and so fantastic. It is my book of the week. I love this yes. book. I told Gene and I were talking about it off the air the other day. This was fantastic. The dialogue was great. It was funny. It was plenty of action. Uh, gives you enough backstory on Red Sonia to let you know who she is if you're a newcomer to the book, but picks up the pace and just like sort of goes headlong. Uh, Red Sonia gets made queen of Hercania or or Harkania, whatever, Mm -hmm. however you pronounce it, because uh, it's about to get uh, invaded by the new kings of Stygia and whatnot. And um, the the current emperor there is not, he's a really kind of a douchey guy. And uh, 
Sonya gets made queen, and then the rest of the uh, royal family and, and stuff, uh, they, they flee the kingdom because they don't want to deal with it. Um, and she pens a letter to him, which she sends in a skull that's uh, filled with horse manure, which is fantastic. Yeah, I love it, this book. I did not expect it to be so good. Um, I expected it to be good, but not, not like this, because it's good in a weird way for Red Sonia. It's clever, uh, as Kurt mentioned. Dialogue is spot on. Characters you don't expect. Characters that would have no part in a regular book other than the you know, like kind of move it along. They they're funny. They matter. They're 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 getting some of the best lines in the book. Um, and I love kind of taking the old western trope of like pinning the star on a new sheriff before everyone runs away and you have to deal with the enemy. It's it's really neat in this book. It works very well with Red Sonia, and I I can't wait for another issue. It's such great writing. Yeah. What did you I give it? it? Did you? I gave it, did I say what I gave it? I, I gave it a four. Oh, ooh, throwing out them fives, but not for this one. Well, you know what? I will tell you this was almost my book of the week also. Okay. Okay. I, I absolutely, this this book took the center stage for me. I love this book. Uh, and Mark yeah, Russell, good. man, good job. Good job, Mark Russell. I, fantastic writer. You know what? I'm going to change my, I'm changing mine. I'm going to break break uh, tradition. I'm going to go for the five because I know that's where you where you are. Yeah, uh, and I don't see great. any reason not to be there. And also from Dynamite Comics, Vampirilla versus Reanimator, number two, written by Colin Bunn with art by Blackie Shepard, which is actually pretty good art. I have to admit, I like the black and white stuff and the grays and everything, and the reds. Yeah. Um, man, this book is kind of uneven for me. I, I, the first issue I wasn't overly impressed with. Second issue I liked a lot. I really enjoyed it, and uh, I'm not a big Vampirilla fan in the least. I get a three still. Yeah, it's funny. I gave it a three also. Uh, I will say almost exactly what you said. I didn't like the first issue, and I'm not a big Vampirilla fan, but I am a big Herbert West fan, Uh, and he really comes out in this second issue. He's really, really good when he's made the king of death and he has no interest in gods. (laughs) He has no fear whatsoever. I love the guy. He's really cool. And I can't wait. And somehow his, his reanimator serum is making this woman ultra powerful, and uh, that's kind of neat. And I like to see right. where that goes, and if it wears off. Definitely, we'll see how this whole thing wraps up. But this is so far uh, building to be a pretty good uh, miniseries. Um, that yeah, brings cool. us to IDW Comics, uh, GI Joe, Real American Hero, two fifty nine, written by Larry Hamo with art by Ron Joseph. Continuing with the Dr. Venom fallout, this was a really good, fun G.I. Joe story. Uh, Cobra is sort of dealing with their own problems. Destro is sort of possibly conniving and doing his thing, as well as an AI sort of system that's building up an army of its own, and the Joes are caught sort of in the middle of it all. I like it a lot. I like the team uh, that they put together of the Joes with, uh, like, Dusty and a few other members that we haven't seen in a while. Um, I give it a three. I, I really enjoy this uh, Real American Hero stuff a little bit. Yeah, and there, there's a neat combination of old characters and new. Uh, one of the new newer characters, uh, I think he's new, suffers a severe injury, and I like how um, because of things that Joe did in previous issues, uh, this guy may walk again because of their good deeds. And I really right. like the person that kind of brings that to them. I'm not going to give away too much because you're reading the book. It's a, it's a really neat spoiler. And uh, yeah. I, I probably, it's one of my favorite Joe issues in a while. I give it a three. And the art, by the way, I appreciate the art in this book more because of the second G.I. Joe book that came out this week. That yeah. maybe G.I. I drew. Joe's, 
G.I. Joe Sierra Morte, uh, written and drawn by Michael Fife. Um, this definitely is a little more sort of old school G.I. Joe uh, characters and stuff. I, I'll say this. The art, the art isn't great. Uh, I appreciate anyone who writes and draws and handles most of everything on a book. That's, that's stellar to me. But um, I don't know. I, I kind of like the story. Uh, the art just didn't do it for me. I, and I ended up giving it a, uh, a one, mostly based on that. Yeah. Yeah, the I, the art was really rough for me. I just had a hard time with it. It told, yeah. took me out of the story. The one stands. Image Comics brings us Cemetery Beach, number six. Warren Ellis wrote it. Jason Aaron drew it. It's continuing to be a good, fun little Warren Ellis-type story, though it is definitely up and down. Like, some issues are good, some issues are not so good. This particular issue didn't grab me as much. I gave it a two. Yeah, it was uneven. I, I'll stay with that, too. Uh, that we also got Die number three from Kieran Gillen and Stephanie Ames. Is it Ames or Arms? I don't know. I can't read my own handwriting. Um, these characters are drawn into a very Jumanji-esque Dungeons and Dragons type world. Uh, they were there once before. They survived for a while, and then they grew up, and then they went back because a friend pulled them back in. Um, it's kind of neat though. They actually fight a, a me- mechanical dragon in this issue. And we see that this battle that's going on, less fantasy, a little more World War One-ish uh, with these elves and stuff. I, I really kind of like this book. I really like this book a lot. I think there's good stuff between the characters. Uh, I gave it a four. Yeah, I, I gave it a three, but uh, I understand your reason, reasoning. Yeah. That brings us to Freeze, number three, written by Dan Wickline with art by Philip Sevy. Uh, basically the whole world, everybody was frozen into place except for this one guy, and he seems to have the ability to wake people up by touching them. He's uh, decided to wake up a whole bunch of people, uh, and, but they, for some reason they've left a whole bunch of other people frozen. Uh, there's also a serial killer who seems to be going around cutting up the frozen people and pulling out their hearts and stuff. It's weird. Yeah, um, so, yeah it's very weird, but it's, um, it's interesting because it's, this stuff started happening on day one, and he had on that day he only kind of unfrozen the people that he wanted really to be around. Uh, so right. somebody he trusts is the person doing this, unless right. there's someone else out there that can unfreeze that we don't know about. Yeah, uh, we'll see where it goes. Though if you don't like a uh, some male genitalia, it's right up in your face in this issue, man. Um, <laughs> there, there is a moment there. Uh, I gave it. I give this issue a, a two. But uh, maybe we'll get better. We'll see. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm enjoying the series, though. Uh, speaking of in books I enjoy, Gasolina, number 15, written by Sean uh, Mankiewicz, with art by Nico Walter. It's a cool little story that I thought was mostly like a, a sort of border town type stuff with uh, some drug trafficking, human trafficking, some crime and stuff going on like that. It turned into a much bigger story with these uh, creatures from ancient sort of Aztecian Mayan uh, mythology and whatnot. It's kind of neat. I, 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 it, this book is another one that's pretty uneven to me. Some issues are good. Some storylines are good. Uh, this was the uh, beginning of a new storyline in the in this uh, series. I gave it a three. It's worth checking out. Yeah, it is. It's a book that I didn't read initially, and Kirk kept talking about it. So eventually I went back and read, read, and read it, and I'm enjoying it. It's it's not the best book in the world that's a good read. Yeah. I give it a three. Cool. Prodigy, number three, written by Mark Millar and Raphael Abelkirke. 
Uh, basically, the smartest man in the world, interdimensional threat. He's trying to stop it. The government comes and gets his help, and he's doing all this globe-trotting fighting. And uh, I don't know. It's it's the same thing. It's nothing new. I gave it a two. Yeah, I, it is nothing new. You're right, but I do enjoy the character stuff in the issue. Uh, it's kind of neat. It's a it's a guy kind of like, even though he is that stereotype smart guy in the room, played by Benedict Cumberbatch. You know, like that kind right. of thing. It's like, all right, that, that's fine. But um, I'm enjoying it for some reason. I guess it would be a three for me. Okay. Self-Made, number three, written by Matt Groom, with art by Eduardo Ferragato. Uh, this is a book where basically a, a large virtual reality world's been set up in the future for people to enjoy, and an NPC AI version in this world becomes self, sort of self-aware. And uh, so they bring this AI out of the world and they sort of, they begin to test it by giving it a body and whatnot and seeing what's going on. I like this book. Uh, I like it a lot. Um, There's a lot of twists and turns in just three issues and I recommend it. I give it a three. Yeah, absolutely. Good book. Unnatural number seven by Mirka Andolfo, uh, which is sort of a Zootopia for adults with some mysticism and supernatural stuff going on. Uh, the all I have to say usually to remind anybody about this book is, hey, it's the remember the pig girl who's like half naked and stuff. Yeah, um, <laughs> I will say this: this book I felt right off the bat wasn't for me, but I stuck with it and I kept reading it. And I, I I kept giving it a chance, and it, it's grown on me a little bit. I, I I'm curious to see where the overall story ends up going. I still can't give it more than a two. Most issues, um, we'll see how I feel towards the end of the the. I believe a 12 issue series. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. I, I will say that there was a time where having an image book, you know, had a, it came with a certain pedigree. It seems to me that that time is over. Um, and, and they're putting out probably some of the least interesting indie books at this point in time. Oh, okay. And that brings us to walking dead. Number 188 walking dead's jeans thing. Cause I'm a uh, probably about 50 issues behind Gene. Go ahead. <laughs> in the aftermath of Dwight's death, um, Rick and crew have to figure out where to go from here. Uh, Rick's kind of panicking because it looks like a civil unrest is brewing in, in this new kingdom that they visited. And um, the thing is, he doesn't want that. He desperately wants this society to work because they're so much further ahead than Alexandria is, and this city shows where they can go in the future. Um it's an interesting story, although the, the, the lady who's in charge is, is kind of a, uh, she's kind of a stuck-up, uh, you know, B-word. But, um, and she really shows shows who she is this issue when she goes ahead and arrests the, uh, the head of the guard uh, who had been involved earlier in, in some stuff, some controversial stuff. They arrest him and declare martial law, basically, and that's bad news. Um, so it looks like we may see a case where Rick might have to step in and do something, but he desperately doesn't want to. He wants things to work out, and he's going to try his best to do it diplomatically before pulling out the machete. And we'll see where that goes. It's been a good series. It's a different kind of book now. If you like that, go with it. I give it a three. Sweet. There was one more book on your list that I just I didn't have written down called Vindication. Uh, what was that from, Gene? Uh, yeah, no, Vindication um, was Top Cow. Uh, for some reason, when I talked to Kurt about this book earlier in the week, I was calling it Conviction, but it's not. It's oh. Vindication. Um, okay. <laughs> this is this is a book about a uh, 
a gentleman who is uh, arrested for a murder. He gets life imprisoned. Uh, he is let out 10 years later due to some, some DNA evidence that crops up. Uh, it, it appears that at least the, the gentleman that's arrested uh, thinks that the cop that arrested him and cracked the case was maybe a little racist. Uh, and that is our main character, this, this cop, who now wants to prove again that this kid might be up to no good because the day he gets released, murders with the same M.O. as the girl that got killed in the first place start happening again. Uh, hmm. Is it a coincidence? We don't know. Uh, but it, it's neat, and it does take racism on, uh, you know, just straight on, uh, but it's not in a preachy way at all. It's a really good story, and this is something that um, I, I know I don't always love when people write stories and they're like, this comic's going to be a movie one day, but I think that's this book has potential to be a movie for sure. And I gave this right. a, a four. I really, really liked it. Wow, I'll have to go read it now because I, I totally missed this one. You should. You should. It's really good. It's probably one of the best books Top Cow has put out in quite some time since um, since Mind Management, I would say. All right. Well, there we go. That is it for this episode, uh, Volume 2, Number 6 of We've Got Issues. Uh, we'll be back hopefully in just a handful of days to review uh, <laughs> this com- this week's books that have already come out and we're, we, we can now start reading because I, I, too, have put them on the back burner. Yes, absolutely. So thanks for listening. And make sure you listen to our main show. Uh, Love is in the air this week. It's Nerd Love Week. There's some wonderful things happening there. We have a very special, two actually, special guest star taking over the show uh, while Kurt and I kind of take the the back back burner a little bit. Uh, So check that out. You don't want to miss that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, anything else? Uh, Let's see. Uh, The normal stuff, I think. Oh, you know what? Actually, here's something. Um, and I'll mention this on Friday's show, but as of Monday, uh, the Kickstarter campaign for Dolce Number 2 starts. Uh, I am I am the, the writer or one of the writers of that book, so uh, I'd appreciate if you give a look on Kickstarter. Dolce Number 2. D-U-L-C-E, Dolce. Yes, sir. All right. And that's it for us. We'll be back hopefully, uh, well, we'll be back really soon. Check NerdNationRadio.com. Our Facebook page is NerdNation and NerdNationRadio. Instagram, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. That's it. (laughs) All right, tune in. Nerd out. Thanks for listening. Visit us online at NerdNationRadio.com. Like us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Grindr at NerdNationRadio. So until until next time, time, tune in. Nerd out.